Remember days we was down bad. Remember days we was down bad. I remember we was down bad. Welcome back, everybody, to the Being Technical Podcast. What's going on? I'm your host, Aaron Bien, where I'm being technical and not practical. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, catching up with your boy. For those new listeners and new subscribers, appreciate y'all for tuning in. For those still following me out there, still catching up to my, uh, still supporting this podcast, I appreciate y'all as always. This episode took some time for me. I've been out for a little bit just because I've been so I've been holding this one in, you know, because I was thinking of recording. I was going to truly say how I feel, but I had to sit back and reflect because what I'm about to unleash, I've been holding in for quite some time. I'd say about a week or so. This is I didn't want to record right away because I was just so emotionally enraged. And just been bothered. You know, when you look forward to something for such a long time. And you're like, you're so excited. And then it just wasn't what you expected it to be. If not, it was actually worse than what you had envisioned. That's how I felt. And that's why I had to take some time to record this episode. Because I'm going to put a little bit more. When I sit back. This is a true testament to not only sports, but to life in general. This episode is about expectations. Expectations, folks. Expectations. According to the Webster Dictionary, expectation as defined as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Or a belief that someone will or should achieve something. That is going to be the key word, the key meaning in this episode is expectations. You know, growing up, you know, when you know you weren't expected to do something or achieve something, and you did, and it was like an overjoyous moment, and you caught everyone by surprise. Like you know, when you were in school, and biology or whatever might not have been your best subject, and you kind of winged an exam. You know, your parents didn't expect you to get A's or B's, and you know you were just an average student. And then hey, you got an A in biology, you got an A in math. Oh, you aced that test! Wow, congratulations! You got a couple A's in your sophomore year. 
in your junior year. Oh, nobody expected it. Hey, you didn't even expect it. Hey, you just maybe studied the book, read, you know, studied for the exam, aced the exam, passed the class, well, whatever the case may be. And you felt good about yourself. Until senior year rolled around, college rolls around, and now your parents expect you to bring home good grades, expect you to go to college, and then expect you to graduate. Now you feel the pressure. Now you're like, oh, now that that same book, same math class, whatever it's algebra, whatever it's chemistry, when you start reading and trying to study it, and you feel the pressure that you're ex now you're expected to ace that class and bring home a good grade and get into that college, it doesn't seem so easy anymore now, does it? Because you're now you're expected to do it. Now you're expected to get into that university. You're expected to get an A or B in that class. It's not so easy now, is it? Now when there's expectations, right? It was great and wonderful and dandy when nobody expected you to do anything and you accomplished it. But now that you're expected to accomplish it, you start to feel the pressure. You start to feel the anxiety in your chest. You start to, everything seems to be crumbling on you, crumbling. The walls start to come closer and closer. That's what expectations does to you. Obviously, for everyone that, knows me, follows me on all the social media platforms. They hear, they, they see I tweet. They know that I tweet and say what is on my mind, whether I'm right or I'm wrong. I don't care. I'm going to believe what I'm saying is right, whether it could be the craziest thing, whether I could be so wrong. I am going to make... I'm going to say or believe whatever I say is right, whether I'm right or wrong, whether I truly may not believe it, I will convince myself I'm right. I am not politically correct, and I might rub some people off the wrong way. Some people might not take me seriously because of my outlandish takes and outlandish opinions, but that's just me. That's why I'm just being Aaron. Ha, 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 get it? Yeah, okay, sorry. Anyways, back to what I want to say. Anyways, for... The NFL and football season is back. NFL and not only the NFL, but college football is back. And I must say, we have come a long way from when July and August came around and there was no preseason and everyone thought like, damn, we might not have football this year. And then we started finding out the Big Ten and the Pac-12 postponed their the fall sports season. And we thought with the NFL not having a clear plan of how they are going to attack the COVID and how it will have an impact on games. I don't know about you, but I was like, man, the NFL season's not going to happen. We're not going to have college football season. Coronavirus done took over 2020. 2020 is damn near over. But the NFL found a way to make it happen in a season. I must say, it was great to see football on the field, watching that Thursday night. Now, Thursday night, Chiefs, Ravens. I mean, I'm sorry, Chiefs, Texans. And then we're in the week two and watching the football season. I, I must say it was a little weird not watching, not seeing fans in the stands, but when you're really watching it on TV and you're emotionally invested into the sport, 
you're not really paying attention to the fans. And I have been mostly invested because I'm all, not only am I playing in fantasy football, I'm in four leagues. So I am fully invested in the football season. And now, even the college football season is back. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the, decided to bring back college football. Big 12 has been playing. SEC has been playing. So now college football is back in full effect. I think that uh, Big 10 should be coming back sometime in October. And the Gophers are going to be opening up their season against Michigan. But a little bit on the Gophers. But here's the thing. NFL, college football, you're expected now that you started a season, us fans expect you to finish the season. Now that you started, see, we didn't expect the end of the football seasons to start, but now we expect it to finish. So all those high rank officials, Commissioner Goodell, we expect you to make sure this football season ends because now that you got our hopes up and we're emotionally invested into this football season you better do whatever it takes to make this football season ends start and ends accordingly so you have a responsibility to us fans to make sure this this season goes smoothly with no speed bumps no delay do take a book out of adams take take notes Take a page out of Adam Silver's book and how to run a sports league from start to finish. So now we expect this football season. Remember that word expectations. Now that we expect it to start and end, we expect it to finish, and we expect to see a champion crowned in both sports. But the Gophers open up the season against Michigan High-ranked Michigan team. Gophers coming off a high 10-2 season, winning the winning the uh, Outback Bowl, beating Auburn, beating Penn State, beat two ranked teams, ended the season in the top 10. Nobody expected them to do that. Had a great season. And now we come to this season. Previously opted out star wide receiver Rashard Bateman even wants to come back and play in the season. Even though he opted out, signed out, signed with an agent, he's projected to be a top 10 pick in next year's 2021 NFL Draft. As much as a Gopher fan that I am, as much as I want to see him come back, I do want him to look out for his best interest because obviously he's been playing all his life. To a, He's been playing football in hopes and dreams to one day playing in the NFL. And I hope... And I want him to live that dream. But I get it. He wants to come back. He wants to finish what he started. And it does make sense to come back and play some football. Because you can't go from January 2020, the last time playing football, and then all of a sudden go declare in the NFL draft in April of 2021. And then expect to play. You haven't played football from January 2020. And now you expect to go from college football. And then you're going to go expect to go play in the NFL with grown men not having played football in almost a year and a half and expect to go play with those big boys. So I totally, totally understand 
Rashard Bateman's thinking there. You want to get some live action. You want to get back in the rhythm of playing football, wearing the pads, you know, putting on the helmet. But here we go again with that expectations, Gophers. You're now you're ranked in the top 25 to start off the season. One of your highest rankings in quite some time. Wisconsin lost a lot of recruits. Iowa lost a lot of recruits. Now the Gophers are expected to win the Big Ten West this season and compete in the Big Ten Championships in hopes to make in the Rose Bowl. So now here we go again, expectations. And you know how Minnesota sports teams are when they finally have expectations. They're gonna, they're gonna, how are they going to handle those expectations? Because the Golden Gophers, we've never been this good in how long? We've been mediocre all these years. No one ever paid attention to us. Now, they have one season under Fleck. He got us all rolling the boat. Beat a top five team last year. Beat another top ten team. Went ten and two. Best record we've had in 40 years. Pump back. Can bring back Tanner Morgan. Bring back Rashard Bateman. Bring back Altman Bell. Bring back the offensive line. And now you're expected to win the Big Ten West and expected to compete in the Big Ten Championship for a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. So, again, here we are again with that expectations. You know what expectations does to a lot of people. Breaks you down. Wears you down. Starts, starts to build up that anxiety. So we'll see how that goes. More on the expectations. Some other news in college football. Deion Sanders was named the head coach of Jackson State. Some of you are thinking like, hey, okay, good. Whatever, Jackson State. Who cares? You know, he's college football. But that might, that might be a bigger deal than some might think. Just think about it. If you are... Let's just take Alabama, Michigan. I mean, Alabama, LSU, maybe Florida to a lesser degree. Take those out the conversation. If you're a high, you're a top recruited high school kid, you know, and you're starting to get recruited by some of these subpar SEC schools at Mississippi State, you know, Missouri, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and you're being recruited by these schools, and then you also have Deion Sanders trying to recruit you as well. If you're that 18-year-old kid whose parents grew up watching Deion Sanders primetime play, and he comes into your home as a college, as a high school kid, Deion Sanders comes into your living room and he's like, I want to recruit your son. I might not, I might, I might, uh, I might not coach for one of these big time schools, but hey. I'm Deion Sanders. I'm one of the greatest football players to ever play this game. And I have a chance to coach your son up and show him how it's like, especially if your son has NFL aspirations. And he's like, hey, I, I, I can show your son. I got connections into this NFL, in NFL. I know coaches. I played in the game. I can show you how it's done. That might be a bigger, big, a bigger deal than some people might may think 
Because if Deion Sanders starts poaching, poaching kids, you know, s stealing a four-star recruit, don't be surprised if Deion Sanders lands a five-star recruit at Jackson State. Y'all might not, y'all might not think that, y'all might not think that's hap that might not happen. But just until when, once Deion Sanders recruits a five-star recruit to Jackson State, all it takes is one. And obviously there was rumors that were saying, oh, Deion Sanders was going to hire Terrell Owens as his wide receiver coach and Warren Sapp as his D-line coach or whatever. I know that might have been fake news, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, Deion Sanders puts together an all-star coaching staff like that at, at a small school like that. And you're a high school kid, and you have the opportunity. Sure, you might not get all the primetime games, like LSU does or Alabama does. Let's say you're not that top athlete, but you're a four-star, three-star recruit being recruited by some of these subpar Division One schools like Old Miss, like Mississippi State, Southern Mississippi, and you get Deion Sanders comes and tries to recruit you, and you're like, damn, I got a chance to play with prime time. I got a chance to be coached by Terrell Owens. I got a chance to be coached by Warren Sapp. These are all-time Hall of Fame players. And you have a chance to be coached by them with their connections. I must, I will say, do not be surprised in the next few years if Deion Sanders does not land a four- or five-star recruit to Jackson State. That's where the pressure, that's where all these big-time schools are going to feel the pressure because it's not going to matter no more. Because you're starting to see in the NFL all these small school players getting drafted, becoming stars. That, hey, you don't need to play in this big, you don't have to go play for Old Miss. You don't have to go play for Alabama or Texas or, you know, Alabama, LSU. You don't have to go to Florida. You don't have to go to Clemson. You know, you can go score to play at Jackson State, being coached by Deion Sanders, learning the ropes, learning the game. That's when you're going to, that's when I think you're going to start to see the tide Shift. I mean, we already saw the the top top high school basketball player commit to Howard. It's not gonna matter what school you go to anymore. It's a matter of how you perform. And if I'm a high school kid and I have the opportunity to be coached by Dion Primetime Sanders, and I'm not getting recruited by one of these big time top schools. You're damn right I'm going to take that opportunity to go play with him. Because even if I'm not playing on ABC, ESPN, I get to learn the game and the ropes from Deion Sanders. And I can correlate that to accomplish my dream in the NFL. You're damn right I'm going to take that opportunity. And don't be surprised in the next few years when you see Deion Sanders get a top four, top five recruits. And he's going to be playing these top schools in their schedules and he competes against them must say keep your eye on that moving on to the nba playoff bubble whatever you want to call it we're finally down to our conference finals we got the miami heat and the boston celtics going at it and the miami heat are up 2-1 and then we got the los angeles lakers and the denver nuggets los angeles lakers are up 2-1 and a few months ago, if I would have told you the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles would meet in the Western Conference Finals, you're like, what? Denver Nuggets? We didn't expect those Denver Nuggets. We, you know what? Because we were all expecting the LA teams to meet in the Western Conference Finals. We are expecting Clippers, 
We are going to expect the Los Angeles Lakers. Battle of LA. Winner goes to the NBA Finals. But no. That's what we expected, but that's not what we got. Because you know why? One team couldn't meet expectations. See? See where we go with the expectations? See? The Los Angeles Clippers up 3-1. We all, when they signed Kawhi Leonard back in the summer, when they signed Kawhi Leonard, or was it 2019? Last 2019 summer when they signed Kawhi Leonard, made that trade for Paul George with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they were all cheering and gloating and were like, this is our town now, all team now. We are all expecting. And then the Lakers pulled off the trade for Anthony Davis. We were all expecting. It was a foregone conclusion. We were going to get the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And they were going to battle it out for a chance to make it to the NBA Finals. And one team met those expectations, which were the Los Angeles Lakers, led by GOAT, LeBron James. He did his thing. It's crazy how everyone thought the Los Angeles Lakers had the toughest route to the NBA Finals, going through, oh, my God, the Portland Blazers were the most dangerous eighth. I'm okay. I'm not going to lie. I did say that, too. Oh, the Portland Trail Blazers were the most dangerous eighth seed that we've ever seen. Lillard was playing out of his mind. They stole game one, and then the Lakers went on one four straight. And then we were like, oh, damn, the Houston Rockets are the four seed. They got Westbrook. They got Harden. They can get points. They can shoot threes. They stole game one. We're like, oh, man, this might be a battle for the Lakers. And then they decided, they went and ran off four straight and got them the hell out the way. And then you have the Los Angeles Clippers up 3-1. They First of all, the Denver Nuggets are one tough-ass team. They don't go away. They were led by Murray and Jokic. They did not quit. Down 3-1 and ended up winning the series in seven. And as you can see, they're giving the Lakers a, a run for their money also. But the Los Angeles Clippers, Doc Rivers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard felt as they got closer and closer to the Western Conference Finals they felt the pressure. Even Jokic even said, oh, the pressure's not us. They're, it's not on us. We're just out there having fun. The pressure's on them. You know why the pressure was on them? Because nobody thought the Denver Nuggets were going to make the Western Conference Finals. They're just playing with house money. So they're out there playing free, pick and roll, shooting. You know, Murray's playing out of his mind because there's no expectations on them. Nobody expected them to get that far. And then the Los Angeles Clippers had all the expectations on their shoulders because they were basically the prohibitive favorites to win the NBA Finals this year. They were the betting favorites to win the NBA championship. They were the betting favorites to win the Western Conference Finals. And as the as the Nuggets went and chipped away, went 3-2, went 3-3, you could just sense all the weight was on the Los Angeles Clippers. Just think about it. This is a franchise that has never had any expectations. Nobody ever paid attention to them because really L.A. is Lakers town. Nobody cared about the Los Angeles Clippers. They were the stepbrother that played in the same arena, that shared the same arena with the Los Angeles Lakers. They're the same team that had to play in the same arena where they saw all the championship banners with the Los Angeles Lakers on top. 
with Shaq and Kobe, with Magic and Showtime. And they had to see all that while nobody cared for them. And the one time the Los Angeles Clippers, they ever, ever had any expectations was this year. And, you know, they did whatever they did. You know, Kawhi was taking nights off. You know, everyone was like, oh, this is, we've never, you know, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Lou Will and Harold and Beverly all play together, they're unbeatable, their defense is locked down, you know, when they're winning all those regular season games, nobody's paying attention to September, nobody's paying attention to October, November, December, January, February, start to, you know, change the tire team, start trying a little bit more. Then we had the whole coronavirus outbreak and you know the NBA season was postponed until the bubble came back and everyone's like oh the Los Angeles Lake Clippers are locked and loaded they're fresh they're gonna win the West I don't see LeBron and the Lakers having a chance with this team this team is loaded and what do they do you could just watch it in that game seven against the Nuggets with all the pressure and expectations was on them they crumbled. Kawhi Leonard, as great as he is, first of all, when did Kawhi Leonard ever surpass LeBron as the best player in the NBA? When you think about it, Kawhi Leonard, yeah, he's a two-time Finals MVP. But speaking of expectations, Kawhi Leonard never had any expectations because Kawhi Leonard was a Number 15 overall pick from small San Diego State. Nobody expected him to be the star player. When he won the finals MVP, he played with the San Antonio Spurs. It was Manu. It was Duncan. It was Ginobili. It was Duncan. It was Parker. And he kind of just snuck in there, played well. And then he won the finals MVP. And then he goes gets traded to Toronto a few years later. Nobody expected him to win the East. It was Giannis. Oh, they were the best team. It was Giannis was the bat going off MVP. They were the one seed. Bucks are going to win it. Oh, and they decided to steal. They won that series, got to the finals. Oh, Toronto made the finals. But nobody expected them to beat the Golden State Warriors. Clay, Steph, Draymond, KD. They're going to win the what? They're going to win it. They're the best team. They're trying to three-peat. Then Clay. KD re-injures his Achilles, tears his Achilles, Clay tears his ACL. Next thing you know what, the Toronto Raptors win the NBA, NBA Finals. Nobody expected them to win. They were like, oh, wow, Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. Kawhi Leonard is the Finals MVP. And then this year comes. Now he decides to leave the Raptors, goes to the Clippers, basically forces the Clippers front office their hand and was like, I need Paul George. You go get me Paul George. I'm not coming here till I get Paul George. They go and trade five first-round picks and Danilo Gallinari and Giles Alexander, young promising point guard, because they were trying to compete now, competing with the Lakers to win a championship. And... Fast forward to today to, to now. They don't even make it to the NBA. They don't even make it to the Western Conference Finals because they lost to the Denver Nuggets in which a game Kawhi Leonard goes six for 17 or six for 20. 17 points. Paul George makes four shots in the same game seven in which he shot a three and he hit the side of the backboard. He was shooting the shot so short because you can just tell. 
he felt the pressure. He felt the moment. He was felt the expectation that, wait, we're supposed to be in the Western Conference Finals playing the Los Angeles Lakers. They're waiting for us. And in which Paul George makes four field goals, which was less than the five. They, he made less shots than first-round picks. They gave up for him. That's the crazy part. Players like that who cannot handle expectations. Paul George, which I call the man with two first names, George Paul. Because he ain't even Paul George. He's George Paul. Because he could not handle. He's another person, like I said, expectations. When you're expected, he's the player that can exceed when there's no expectations. Because when he played in Indiana, he balled out. Nobody expected anything from the Indiana Pacers. They were just that team that was in the way of the Miami Heat when they're on their championship run. And he kind of would just ball out and kind of give them problems. And then when he goes to Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, and now they're expected to compete for a NBA, make a run for the NBA Finals. And he crumbles, in which this is the same man who calls himself Playoff and somehow does not show up in the playoffs. How do you give yourself a nickname for something you don't show up to? Please tell me. Playoff P. That's like me saying, call me Church Aaron. But I don't show up. Sorry. I love you, Jesus. Love you. I'm sorry. Did. I am a strong believer. But that's like me saying, oh. Millionaire Aaron. Oh, that's, 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 man, you call, call me Clutch Aaron. Why the hell you see me be Clutch in anything of any importance? I might have hit a couple Clutch threes in a couple basketball tournaments, but you call me Clutch? I don't over there call myself Clutch Aaron. Big baller Aaron. Now, what we saw out there was Pandemic Pete. That was embarrassing, and you can just tell Paul George, I'm sure, is a nice guy, but some people just cannot handle expectations, and he is just one of them. Just think about it. This is the same player who cheated on Doc Rivers. First of all, his coach's daughter. Not only did he cheat on the coach's daughter, he almost cost his coach's job. Not only did you cost, you almost fracture his relationship with his daughter, you almost cost the man his damn job. If I was Doc Rivers, he might have had to see me. He might have had to see me in the locker room. He might have to see me 60 seconds. He might have, he gonna have to fight me. Because you not only you disrespect and cheat on my daughter, you almost cost me my job shooting four for 18 in a game seven in which we are expected to meet the Los Angeles Lakers? God, man, if I'm Doc Rivers or Kawhi Leonard, I would try to find a way to ship this motherfucker uh, as far away from me as possible because he would have probably had to fight me too if I'm Kawhi Leonard. But Kawhi Leonard, you asked for him. And he gave you exactly what he was. Just a great player that just can't elevate and be that co-star that can lead you to an NBA championship. You know, some people are just not built like that. And another one, another player, I just, I can't 
I can't wrap my finger on is also is Giannis. Obviously, he won back. He he was named MVP again. He won back to back Finals MVP. But honestly, I think they should have gave it to LeBron James. LeBron James should have been the MVP because he had the best record in the West. And he had the most expectations on him because once LeBron James went to the Los Angeles Lakers, he was expected to win the NBA championship and instantly win the NBA championship. Got Anthony Davis, and he's basically the best player in the NBA. And he's got the number one seed, and he's in the... That's why I feel... That the MVP, I know it's a regular season award, but it should be named after the playoffs. Because I feel like the MVP should not only be a regular season, but it should be a regular season and a postseason award. And then, then, then there's the finals MVP. Because Giannis is one of those players, they're the Milwaukee Bucks, plays in a small market. They get the best record in the NBA. Oh, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're a small team, small story. Oh, we love them, but we don't expect them to do anything. But then again, when they do it again, and now when the Milwaukee Bucks entered the NBA playoffs this year, they were expected to win the East, and they got 4-1 by the Miami Heat. Another team that nobody expected to do. You see, you see where the trend's going when the Miami, no one really expects a team, and you're the team that has all the expectations on your shoulders. You feel it way on you. You know, Giannis just didn't play well. And now he got bounced. And that's why I feel like LeBron James should have been the MVP just because of what is expected from him and year in and year out. He finds a way to exceed expectations. And I feel like the NBA just doesn't want to give it to LeBron James every year because you can give the MVP literally to LeBron James every year. Because he's literally the most valuable basketball player in all of the sport. If you take LeBron James off a team, the team literally crumbles, falls into the pits of despair. They're a lottery team instantly. Look at the Cleveland Cavaliers when he left the first time. They haven't been anything. Then he goes back. They win the finals. They go to four straight finals. He leaves again. And again, the, Cleveland's just, the Cleveland Cavaliers are still in the lottery. LeBron James left the Miami Heat. They ain't made the playoffs up until what now? It's like the first year since LeBron was there that they've even been in the playoffs. And the Los Angeles Lakers, they have not been a playoff team. LeBron James joins them. Two years later, they're competing for the NBA Finals. And that's why I say LeBron James is the most valuable player in the NBA. And I think because of the expectations that are set on LeBron and him exceeding them, leading the West, Leading the Los Angeles Lakers to the best record in the West, he should have been the MVP this year. It was a that is a sham, no pun intended. That LeBron James, I know that's my sister's name, whatever. But anyways, it is a mockery that LeBron James only got 16 first place votes. All those people that had an MVP vote and only gave the 16 of you, you guys made the right vote. For those other people that didn't give LeBron James an MVP vote, you should be ashamed of yourself. You must not know the game. You just vote from your heart, and you're not voting with the true. And the, you're not really voting on who you really truly is the MVP in the NBA. And when you really think about it, LeBron James is the MVP. Because the Lakers wouldn't be competitive without LeBron James. But at least the Milwaukee Bucks showed you a little heart when the one game Giannis was out. So, 
again, another player that just cannot meet expectations. It's again, when it weighs on you, some people are just built like that. <sighs> this is the last, to wrap this all up, this last portion all correlates to expectations. I'm going to dedicate this last part. And it just pains me and just disgusts me that I even have to talk about it. I had to muster enough just grit, enough energy to put this together because I am just truly, truly just sickened by even the thought of this team. I dedicate this last one, this last segment to my Minnesota Vikings. For all of you, those that know me, I'm a very passionate, die-hard Minnesota Vikings fan and the leader, the captain of Skull Nation. And every year, I feel like this team is going to make the jump. They clearly let me down. For all you new Vikings fans out there that feel like this team's going to, hey, they might have a chance to win the Super Bowl. No, they're not. They're not. It's the same story, same narrative every single year. Even my dad stopped watching this team. You know why? Because he said they're just going to let you down. And you know, I was a kid. I was like, nah, don't worry. They were in the NFC Championship. They'll make the jump. And then they collapse. They can't meet expectations. This, for you that just recently started watching the Minnesota Vikings, my advice to you, do not get your hopes up with this team because they are going to let you down when it matters the most. They are going to crumble when the lights are bright. When they're on national television, on primetime games, they are going to let you down. And no matter you change the ownership, no matter if you change the stadium, no matter if you change their practice facility, change their jerseys, change their ownership, change the head coach, the quarterback, it does not matter. You can change whatever you want with this team. It's going to be the same results no matter what. It's like watching The Lion King, and then you see uh, Mufasa, like, oh, I got a ball in. Oh, you thought he'd be safe? No, it's not going to change. It's the same narrative. You can put Lion King in the 94 edition. You can put it on ice. You can put it in 3D. You can put it in real life max. It does not matter how up-to-date they make The Lion King. It's still going to be the same Beginning, it's going to be the same ending no matter what. And that's exactly what the Minnesota Vikings are. No matter what the year is, it's going to be the same end result. And it's the same, same pathetic ending. Oh. And in the 20-something years that I've been watching this team, this might be the worst two games I have ever ever watch this team play this might be the worst i know it's two games but this might be the worst minnesota vikings team i have ever watched because at least in the past they had a bad defense we had a high octane offense we had moss we had cole pepper we had everybody chris garwell putting up points at least they were fun to watch at least they were competitive but this team today is not even competitive you get waxed on the week one to the Green Bay Packers, in which you get torched by Aaron Rodgers, 
You get gashed in the run. And then in coming week two, you get embarrassed by the Indianapolis Colts. To Philip, you get embarrassed to the Colts? You only score 11 points? Kirk Cousins, you go 11 for 26? Three interceptions against the Colts? You ain't even got to the, the, the heart of your schedule. And you already get blown out? This is the third straight game leading back to the NFC Divisional Playoffs. At least they got stopped and ran over by the 49ers. You get blown out by the Niners. You get blown out by the Packers week one. And I get blown out again by the class. Three straight blowouts. Three straight games in which you were not competitive. Showed no heart. No passion. And then you expect us to continue to watch that. That pathetic of a performance. Kirk Cousins, I've been your biggest supporter. And once again, to wrap this up, you are another person that cannot handle expectations. I'm going to go a little light on you because it's week two. And it might not be all your fault. But that week two is solely, that performance was pathetic because you're making all your money is guaranteed. You make 18% of our salary cap. And you're throwing 54 yards, six completions, three interceptions. You're making $66 million guaranteed these next two seasons. You just made $84 million the season before. So you basically got paid $150 million guaranteed no matter what. And you can't. Complete more than six passes? Oh, more than 15 passes? 11 for 26? Sure. I know your offensive line is terrible. I know you don't really have any other true receivers to rely on besides Adam Thielen. I know your offensive line, your guards are pathetic, and your offensive coordinator is not doing you any justice, but sometimes, Kirk, when you make that much money, Sometimes you got to be able to elevate the team. All those years at Washington when there was no expectations, you were throwing 4,000, 4,500 yards, throwing 30 touchdowns, putting up these gaudy yards. And then you go into the season, you come join Minnesota. There's expectations for a Super Bowl because they were just the game away from the Super Bowl the year before. And you crumble under the pressure. And then the next year, nobody really paid attention. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, they'll be okay. Then they go 10-6. and six. Nobody expected the Vikings to go to New Orleans and win a playoff game. All the pressure was on the Saints. They go in there, win a playoff game, and wow, they're two games away from the Super Bowl. Man, they want a playoff game. They might make a run, and what do they do when there's expectations from your fan? They got ran right out the field, right out of San Francisco, get blown out. And that was just embarrassing. And then you start off the season, and oh, they are expected to win the NFC North. The Vikings got fresh new corners. They got, you know, they got a haul for Stephon Diggs. They added Jefferson. The Packers has drafted a quarterback. They're trying to replace Rodgers. There's turmoil all over the Green Bay. The Bears are the Bears. The Lions are the Lions. All the Vikings are expected to win the NFC North because they have the most talent. And once the expectations was on them, they are 0-2. And I'm just disgusted and for a fan I am just disgusted in what I'm watching and my lat my the person that I have been advocating I want this guy out of here 
I'm going to put this all on the head coach, Mike Zimmer. This guy has got to be the most overrated head coach and all the, the most overrated coach I have ever I have ever seen. The guy somehow always gets a pass. He always blames people. He never takes accountability for himself. He's good every other year. And somehow we give him a contract extension. Imagine you at your job. And every other year you, you meet goals. And then your job's like, you know what? We're going to give you extension just because, hey, you meet goals the first year. And then the next year you don't meet the goals. But we're like, hey, you met the goals the year before. So we're going to keep you around. And then you make the goals. Or you... You know, at least hit the expectation mark and you're like, oh, okay, we're going to, okay, we got something. And then you don't do it again. And then next year, their job doesn't expect anything from you. And then you meet, you, you accomplish one extra, you get one extra top sale. And they're like, oh my God, we don't want to lose this guy. You know what? We're going to give you more money. We're going to give you a promotion. We're going to let you stay longer. And then again, you stink it up again. Are you going to be able to have your job again? I am tired of this goddamn coach who doesn't take any accountability, and then anytime there's any ounce of expectations, he cannot meet them. Why do, why do you, why do all my fellow Vikings fans stick up for this guy? What the hell does he do? What the hell does he do? He wins one playoff game here and there, and all of a sudden he's, he's the next purple Jesus? What the hell? I'm speaking to Vikings fans only. This is for my Viking fans and all the people that watch the Vikings and just laugh at our misery and just laugh at how pathetic we are and how we embarrass ourselves on national television. And I, for all those taxpayers in Minnesota that funded that stadium, the Wilfs, you you deserve to you you need to give us a refund on that product that you put on there. This is just embarrassing. That this guy, nobody wants. I can see why Stefan Diggs wanted out of here. I see why because I can confirm he did not want to be here because of the head coach. He did not want that head coach. And I've been advocating for the last year and some. If you've been listening to my podcast, I wanted that guy fired from the jump. But everybody's like, oh, no, he's the most winning, third winning as head coach. He's been a bunch of, okay, he's the third winning head coach, right? He's the third most winning head coach of Vikings. Okay, but who the hell is he beating? Who the hell does he beat? He beats a bunch of fluff, fluffy, bunch of cake teams. He beats the Detroit Lions. He he goes that one anomaly thirteen and three season, and he holds his head on that. First of all, nobody expected the Vikings to be thirteen and three that year. There was no expectations on us. We were coming off an eight and eight season, in which the year before we went eleven and five. No expectations on us once again. Losing the playoffs to the, the Seattle Seahawks. Let me come back the next year. While wow, they have 11 and 5, they have expectate. Oh, okay. I can see them making another run. They can win this division. And then we go 8 and 8. Whatever. Okay. They, everybody gets hurt. Teddy Britt blows his knee out. Okay. We get Sam Bradford. We go 8 and 8. And then, again, oh, whatever. No one's paying attention to the Minnesota Vikings. And then the next year, they go with Case Keenum. Obviously, Bradford starts off week one, starts slinging. And we're like, okay, you know what? The Vikings may have something. And then Bradford gets hurt. And then Case Keenum comes in. Who expects anything from a backup quarterback? Oh, it's Case Keenum. He's a journeyman. And then they go 13-3 at the number one ranked defense. And they're like, oh, my God, 13-3. The Super Bowl's in Minneapolis. Oh, my God, they could make it. And then they go in and win a 
dramatic miracle fluky play in which they beat the New Orleans Saints, which, first of all, we should have lost. And that miracle play covers up for Mike Zimmer not adjusting in the second half in which the Minnesota Vikings had a 17-0 lead going into halftime and blow it and could have lost that game if not for a fluky miracle play in which they win. Then he goes for a chance to play the Super Bowl in their stadium. You go to Philadelphia and you get humiliated. You get embarrassed. 38-7. to And now once again, Vikings How many times have you watched the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings? How many times have you watched the Vikings get blown out under Mike Zimmer? Just tell me. They've gotten blown out to the 49ers. They got blown out by the Eagles. They've been blown out by the Seahawks. They get blown out by the, the Packers. They get blown out in Bears on Sunday night to the Bears. How many times have you seen them? They've already been blown out twice this season under this coach. How many good teams can you name that he's beaten, that he's beaten and embarrassed? And with Vikings, like, oh, that's a dominant Vikings performance. They've beaten that good team. Every time they beat a good team, it's off a field goal, off a defensive play, and they barely win. But when a good team plays Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer-led team, we get embarrassed. We get embarrassed. I want to know why this head coach is still around. Why the hell did you give him an extension? He had one more year left on his deal. He had a chance to prove himself. But no, you wanted to extend this guy. You wanted to extend Rick Spielman. Okay, Kirk Cousins. Ah, okay, you could have you know, you let him play out his year. As much as I support Kirk, he had one more year left on his deal. Give him a chance to prove himself, but then extend him. But no, the Wilfs had that much trust in this coach in which they gave him an extension in which they should have fired him. He should have been fired if not winning for that fluky-ass overtime game against us. We, he would have been fired if we lost to the New Orleans Saints. But no, there was no expectations on him. That's when he knows how to coach. He can coach when there's no expectations. Wins the game in New Orleans in which nobody expected him to win. And then the next week, when he, hey, they just beat the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. That's the toughest place to win. That, they just beat the, 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 uh, the prohibited favorites to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. They can go into San Francisco. Oh, yeah, that's right. When there's expectations, he gets embarrassed. Okay, please tell me, Vikings fan, this is the same coach that you keep saying is a great coach. Oh, he wins all these games, Aaron. Who's better than him? Okay, let's look at Mike Zimmer. Okay, against the other great coaches. He's 0-4 against Pete Carroll. He can't beat another head coach in Pete Carroll, Super Bowl winning head coach. We've lost to them Blow, been blown up by them in four four tries. Okay, the one close game was that playoff game in, in that frigid TCF Bank Stadium. He's 0-4 against, he's 0-7 in the coaches within his division that are their biggest rivals, let's just say. He's 0-4 against Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. He's 0-3 already against Matt LaFleur. He's 0-1 against Andy Reid, in which he lost to Andy Reid, in which... He had to prepare for a backup quarterback. Andy Reid beat us with Matt Moore last year. He's 0-1 against Tomlin. He's, he can only seem to beat Sean Payton. And the only time you ever beat Sean Payton, if it's A, the Minneapolis Miracle, and that overtime game in which the Vikings blew another lead, they let the Saints go down the field, tie the game, and just think about it. If the Saints win that coin toss, the Saints might go down the field and beat the Vikings. But no, we won that coin toss. Cousins hit that deep ball to Thielen, hits Rudolph, and the end is history. Other than that anomaly 2017 season, 
what the hell has he done? The, and that 13-3 and season was the same year Aaron Rodgers was injured. We injured him in that, what, week three, week four matchup. He was out, and then you basically swept them because they had to beat Brent Huntley, and that was one extra win. He can only beat Matt Patricia. I want to know, who the hell does this guy beat? Again, expectations. When there's expectations on this head coach, he can't seem to have this team prepared. He can't seem to do shit. If you people want to accept, I don't know about you, but if you like mediocrity, if you like people that don't meet expectations, if you like anomaly seasons in which you don't expect anything, hey, that's your guy. That's your guy. We might be stuck with it for two years unless you change it now and you get somebody that can coach a good team. God damn it. I don't know about you, but I like meeting expectations. And if you guys want to keep watching this garbage, I cannot watch this garbage anymore. This team might be 0-6. I swear to God, if he's 0-6 and this guy's still our head coach by the end of this year, I am officially done with the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer, do something. Have this team at least play with some heart. If you don't win, I get it. At least this team competed. But they're not even competing. They haven't been competitive in three straight games. And I'm tired of this bullshit. We're tired of watching this. You got all this money. You got $35 million invested in the coaching staff, Ziggy Wilf. You got $66 million invested in the quarterback. And then you got another $30 million invested in the general manager. And this is what you put out on the field? This, you should be embarrassing yourself. The heck, if I don't see this head coach gone by this year, I am done with this team. You know what? I've had enough. I'm out of here. Anyways, I, I, I'm leaving. God damn it. Straight, that shit's a tragedy. I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties. This hell on earth, it ain't no place to raise a family. I pray the Lord to see, I pray my soul to keep. Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep. I know I'm never gonna get what is it supposed to be. But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me. Devil too close to me, devil too close to me. I see my enemies turn friendly and get close to me. I see they movement from a distance, they approach. Me. I don't trust nobody, the burner make them toast to me Used to get blessings from my grandma for I leave out for my day She the reason that I'm here, no any day could be my day Countless nights had situations that ain't almost go my way I'm still standing by my mission, I'ma do this shit my way Remember laying on my deathbed, I couldn't speak, my body bleeding, I was restless They stuffed them tears down through my throat cause I was breathless My mama never left my side, she was my best friend I seen the tears run out Rising, it was endless Ain't had no fear up in my heart My soul was stressless He done blessed me with a chance when I was helpless I promise I would never lose And I forget this Remember me said if I die today Know what I tried to say Hitting my grandma isn't straight That shit's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth it ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord to see I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep I know I'm never gonna get what is it supposed to be But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me Said I need changes in my life, no I need changes So many people around me but they feel like strangers Don't get too close to me, you know I get anxious I 
blame the devil, I hope God sent me some angels We in a crisis, walk outside and feel like we at war My block is ISIS, turn the TV on them bodies dropping We can't fight this, I survived the day but we don't treat it like it's priceless When we at them funerals, the only time we righteous Yeah, I need blessings on me I know many niggas want their weapons on me That shit so cold to me Can't nobody tell me nothing My hood still got hope in me I just want my millions Don't want nobody to notice me No killer but no nigga getting close to me Said if I die today Know what I tried to say Hitting my grandma isn't straight That shit's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth It ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord I see I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep Supposed to be, but I need changes in my life, devil too close to me.